What lady is that which doth enrich the hand of yonder knight? Next Chapter Podcast presents the play on podcast series, Romeo and Juliet. She doth teach the torches to burn bright. With original songs and music in a made-for-the-soundstage podcast. From Cupid's quiver, courage, I'll Have not saints' lips and holy palmers, too. Translated into modern English verse by Hansel Jung. I, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Hear Shakespeare's tragedy about two star-crossed lovers as you've never imagined it before. You kiss by the book. Adapted from the acclaimed Nat Cohen Two River Theater production. Can I move forward when all my heart is here? Go to playonpodcast.com to learn more. And remember, violent delights have violent ends. Protect our children from being indoctrinated. Stop hurting kids with these politics. This is the story of a Texas town that became the front line of a culture war. A younger teaching generation has been pushing that our kids can be any gender they want to be. And an English teacher caught in the middle. I broke down crying in the hallway. And I think it was it was tears not out of sadness, not out of being mad, just terrified. From the team that brought you Southlake, this is a six-part podcast series about faith, power and what it means to protect children in an American suburb. This was a kind of sleeping giant. From NBC News Studios, this is Grapevine. All episodes available now wherever you get your podcasts. I found so many stories that still I still think about and I really shaped who I am as a person. This was like my food. It was like my food and drink, the library and the books from the library. This is Maya Kobabe, writer and illustrator, talking about the joy of discovering queer books in the public library when E was growing up. And I'm really fortunate that I grew up in the Bay Area where there were a lot of queer books in the teen section and the librarians were really thinking about that as one of the, you know, types of identities they wanted to represent. Maya is the author of the graphic memoir Gender Queer the most frequently banned and challenged book last year. Genderqueer is Maya's personal story of discovering gender identity and sexuality. We aired our full interview with Maya on a bonus episode last week. In the interview, Maya brought up how much libraries have had to deal with in recent years. I have now had the opportunity to go to the American Library Association conference and It felt like every single librarian who came up to me had a personal story. And it was either of the book being challenged in their district and the challenge, you know, being overturned and they had this sort of story of victory or of the challenge standing and the book having to be removed. I am very aware that librarians, even more than authors, are on the front lines of these challenges. We started the series with a story about an English teacher in Oklahoma who felt she had to leave her job because of new laws imposed by the state that hampered her ability to teach. Educators across the country have their hands tied. On the one hand, they want to help their students accept themselves and others through reading and learning accurate history. On the other hand, state laws and pressure from conservative activists make it impossible for them to do that. But we haven't talked as much about the librarians at public libraries who are encountering similar challenges. And the pressure is growing at public libraries. The American Library Association reported that 49% of book challenges happened in public libraries in the first half of 2023. That's compared to 16% during the same period in 2022. So today on the podcast, 
will tell the story about how one New York City librarian got pulled into a very local and very heated fight over books at a public library more than a thousand miles away in St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana. I'm Virginia Marshall. And I'm Adra Aduse. You're listening to Borrowed and Banned, a podcast series about America's ideological war with its bookshelves. We're going to start the story with Mel Manuel. About two years ago, Mel moved back home to St. Tammany Parish. We're about an hour north of New Orleans. It's a super conservative community. The uh, conservatives outnumber progressives about two to one. And this is my home. This is where I'm from. At the time, Mel was teaching in public schools, and they found that setting down roots and creating community as an adult wasn't easy. It was just really hard to meet people, especially um, queer people or progressive people like myself, because I was working from home. So they decided to create their own community. With their friend Jeremy Thompson, Mel founded Queer North Shore. The group started out as a mainly social organization, a way for queer people, queer allies, and progressives to find each other. I wasn't even sure if anyone (laughs) would join And when we had like 100 members, I was like, oh my gosh, there's 100 queer people here, and now it's 1,500. Queer North Shore organized a float in the Mardi Gras parade. They had picnics and get-togethers. Then the summer of 2022 rolled around. Remember, the summer of 2022 was when a lot of the book censorship fervor started to grow across the country. And Mel's community in St. Tammany Parish was not immune I heard, I think, through Facebook or something that there were people upset about pride displays in our local libraries. And so the next library board meeting, and I showed up in support of the pride displays. And it wasn't just Mel. Many members of Queer North Shore showed up at that library board meeting in June. The entire room was packed with people, which is not, at the time, was not a normal thing for a library board meeting. It was probably 50 people in the room, and there was just one person who spoke out against the pride displays and everyone else was there to support, which was kind of amazing. It was the first time that I'd seen in our parish. I had no idea that we had so many people who supported the queer community. Despite the overwhelming show of support, the movement against queer books and against the library itself only grew. In the months that followed that first library board meeting, the book challenges started coming in relentlessly. There was four or five children's books challenged at the next library board meeting. Like Julian is a Mermaid was one of them. And they were all gender nonconforming. And most of them were um, people of color. Like the characters were people of color as well. It just kind of blew my mind because, you know, being trans myself, I can understand And I know that people get upset and it's kind of a tricky subject to navigate. But these particular books were just like the entire story was about loving families who accept their kids the way they are. That was the message of all of those stories. The relentless book challenges weren't the only thing that library supporters had to worry about. At a local Republican Party meeting that fall, the pushback against libraries reached a new level. It was a public meeting, um, and 
there was a presentation by one of the main people in the censorship movement, and it was kind of like why we should ban all these books. And Emily's face was all over that presentation. I, I didn't know who Emily was at the time, but also our library director didn't know Emily Durensky at that time. It's this giant PowerPoint full of photos of me um, as an ALA lesbian and socialist Marxist and whatever, and, you know, blown up on the PowerPoint slide. This, of course, is Emily Drabinsky, the librarian who lives over a thousand miles away from St. Tammany Parish in New York City. Emily Drabinsky is the president of the American Library Association, or the ALA. But at the time, she was just the president-elect. I don't care that my face is on PowerPoint slides because I don't live in St. Tammany Parish. But what they're also doing is not just my face, it's the face of the local librarians in town on these PowerPoint slides, accusations that the library director is in cahoots with me and, you know, just absolutely absurd fantasies about the librarians down there. You know, people, it's not a huge place. They know each other. People know each other. They're community members together. And to have one part of the community turn so violently against another is devastating. The ALA is the oldest and largest library association in the world. It has 65,000 members across the country and represents all kinds of libraries. Public libraries, academic libraries, school libraries, and more. Its mission is to promote and protect libraries and the work that they do, which is provide information to everyone, everywhere. So when Emily's picture ended up on a PowerPoint slide in St. Tammany, it sent a message. At this moment in time, Emily Trebinsky and the American Library Association represents exactly the kind of progressive movement that the far right fears. Emily campaigned on a platform of organized labor, largely in response to the trying working conditions for librarians during the pandemic. You can see what library workers faced across the country being sort of pressed into service without sufficient safety mechanisms to uh, provide services to the public and just... Library workers seem to really be struggling, uh, and I know something about struggle in libraries. I've been involved in a couple of union fights and really believe that organizing collectively as library workers is the best way to, you know, have health and safety conditions that are livable. And so I was like, let me run for ALA president. I'll tell a sort of pro-organized labor story. I did not think I would win. But I think the fact that I won demonstrates the sort of the interest in collective organizing as a strategy for political change. Many people see Emily's progressivism, her idea of organized labor and workers' rights, as a step in the right direction for libraries. But there's also been significant backlash against her and against the entire American Library Association. Since that meeting in the fall of 2022, three state library associations have formally withdrawn from the American Library Association, Montana, Missouri, and Texas. And lawmakers in at least nine other states have called for their state libraries to do the same. Many cite the ALA's defense of, quote, disputed books, ones that contain LGBTQ plus and racial themes, and also Emily's presidency as reasons to withdraw. They claim that the ALA has a political agenda. We should say that the American Library Association has a history of standing up against censorship. 
1939, the ALA adopted an official Library Bill of Rights, guidelines for its members about what libraries stand for. The Bill of Rights has been updated over the years, and it includes things like a commitment to challenging censorship, to maintaining collections that represent all points of view, and making sure that all people, regardless of their origin, age, background, or views, have open and private access to libraries and the information they provide. This is why the backlash against librarians and the ALA is so worrying. Those are the values that libraries withdrawing from the ALA and threatening the credibility and livelihoods of library workers are objecting to. We should get back to St. Tammany Parish and the local Republican Party meeting where the St. Tammany Parish library director was accused of being a foot soldier of Emily Drabinsky. Because something else happened at that meeting that signaled this growing distrust of libraries and library workers in certain parts of the country. Jeff Landry, who was Louisiana Attorney General at the time and has since been elected Louisiana's next governor, announced a statewide tip line. A tip line where you can, I guess, rat on librarians or public school teachers that you think are sexualizing your children. This is Mel Manuel again. Teachers and librarians have traditionally been two really loved professions, kind of nationwide. So it was a really interesting choice of profession to target. Um, I mean, interesting and also kind of horrifying. This is about giving parents and officials the tools they requested to protect Louisiana's children from sexually explicit material that is inappropriate for their age. That's Jeff Landry speaking at a press conference about the tip line a few months later. Just imagine, you're trying to do your job, right? Get books in the hands of kids who want to read them, you know, help people access the internet, provide valuable resources for free for everyone. And now there's this very real threat that members of your community are watching your every move and they can and will report you. That's bound to make librarians and public educators terrified. A lot of our librarians um, in St. Tammany Parish have been really quiet publicly. Um, I do know some of them and I'm friends with some of them and we speak privately, but they largely have been kind of scared to speak out. What happens when librarians and teachers are afraid of losing their livelihoods if they speak out is that the responsibility to act and to push back lands with members of the community. And in St. Tammany Parish, community members stepped up in a big way. Shortly after the pride displays were challenged back in June of 2022, Mel Manuel and about a dozen community leaders in St. Tammany Parish founded another organization strictly for the purpose of supporting libraries. It's called St. Tammany Library Alliance. And they, along with other library supporters across the state, were ready and organized when the tip line was announced. People just flooded that tip line with um, ridiculous things like there was multiple scripts of the B movie, the entire B movie, and then um, a lot of people would like reported Jeff Landry, or I reported one of the um, people in the pro censorship movement and like locally. So I think in the end there was less than. If I remember right, it was like less than a dozen people who made what they considered a legitimate claim. And there were thousands of people who were just spamming it. 
Even though statewide the tip line was a failure, it did stoke that small but loud group of right-wing activists. Over the next few months, a handful of people in St. Tammany Parish continued to challenge books, a lot of them. In Louisiana, the fight over banning books in public libraries is escalating, and in some cases, targeting librarians. Public comment is heating up on the North Shore over library books some say are harmful to children. There was like over 200 um, books challenged in St. Tammany. At one point, we had the most challenges in the entire nation, and the entire board has to read every book that's challenged. So the process of going through it is really, really slow. As soon as a book is challenged, the library has to remove access to it. They put it behind the circulation desk, and patrons can only read it if they ask for it. So while the board reviews the book, which can take up to four months, the book is essentially banned. Kelly LaRocca, director of the St. Tammany Parish Library, told a reporter at the Times-Picayune that each book challenge costs the library about $400. They have to buy more copies of the book for staff to read and pay library workers for the time it takes to read and review them. Given the sheer number of book challenges at the library, the Times-Picayune estimated costs to the library at nearly $69,000. That's a lot for a local public library, and not out of pace with what other library systems across the country are estimating these book challenges cost. And the cost of these challenges is even more startling when you consider that it's the voices of a small minority that are calling for these books to be removed. A Washington Post investigation earlier this year found that two-thirds of over 1,000 book challenges were submitted by just 11 people. That's a similar story to what's happening in St. Tammany Parish. Almost all of those challenges were a single person. I think more than 80% of those books were hers. She doesn't read all of the books. She just uh, copies and pastes excerpts, and um, and she doesn't show up to the library board meetings. Like It's very easy to request that a book be removed from the shelves, so you could do dozens of them in, in a very short amount of time. A few months into all of this book-banning madness, residents of St. Tammany Parish woke up to horrifying news. Overnight, a pro-library billboard made by a local trans teen was torched. The sign had been posted on their property, and it read, Ban hate, not books. A sign protesting the banning of library books in St. Tammany Parish was set on fire early this morning. We thought burning crosses, burning books, and burning signs was a thing of the past in Louisiana, and unfortunately this morning, we've learned that's not the case. That was really shocking. It just feels like not the kind of thing that you would see in 2023. And it it feels like putting us all back in the closet. And I'm not willing to go there. After the sign was torched, St. Tammany Library Alliance came together once again. And it wasn't just people in the parish. Supporters across the state and the country donated money for a new sign. The group raised over $7,000. It was around this time that Mel decided to take their activism to the next level. They decided to run for Congress. I'm using the um, candidacy as a platform in and of itself um, because we don't have any queer uh, legislators. We don't really have a voice in Louisiana. Our kind of motto for St. Tammany Library Alliance is that libraries are for everyone. And that's also my motto for my campaign, Louisiana for Everyone. 
And I do think that's really important. Our library should reflect all the members of our community. And some of those members are people of color and some of those people are gay or maybe they're trans. It's kind of like seeing a book about yourself is a way of saying that you're accepted in this community. What's happening in St. Tammany Parish is a perfect example of what's possible when a community comes together to defend its public institutions. Community members are empowered to make change. Librarians know they're not alone. And sometimes, someone even runs for public office. Back when St. Tammany Library Alliance was forming, they got help from a national group called Every Library. That's actually where the name Alliance comes from. I picked the word Alliance because I'm of a certain age, and uh, you know, Star Wars was my formative years in my summer of 77. I wanted it to be possible for people across the country to, to identify each other because we're, we're in this alliance uh, kind of mode. This is John Kraska. He is the executive director of the Every Library Institute, a national organization dedicated to building voter support for libraries. He was cheering on St. Tammany Library Alliance every step of the way and providing tools for community members to organize themselves. What we try and do at Every Library is some just basics of community-based organizing. When there's a community that's facing a problem, whether it's a a public library or a school library, um, we, we try and find two or three or four humans in the community who care. And there are a lot of people who care. It turns out most people don't want to ban books. Seven in 10 people oppose book bans, according to an American Library Association poll. And CBS found that eight in 10 people don't believe books should be banned in schools for discussing race, the history of slavery, or for having political ideas they don't agree with. So how does that sizable majority of people who don't want to ban books get mobilized? Well, they have to know censorship is happening in the first place. Sometimes, community members don't even know that their local libraries and the books on those shelves are under attack. What I found is that when there's a story, be it something that hasn't yet been reported or something that has been reported but maybe hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention, that sharing it really does get people to act. This is Kelly Jensen, a reporter for Book Riot. She has been on the book banning beat for the past few years. In Colorado, Douglas County, they were dealing with and still are dealing with a very right wing group who has been attacking the library for months about a number of LGBTQ related issues. And There have been several people who have been working really hard to push back against these. And so they've continued to keep in touch with me and let me know like the status of things, what's going on. And by continuing to help push it, they're seeing more and more people understand that the rhetoric coming from this group is not the truth, that it is a big, you know, misinformation campaign. And they're getting more and more support at these board meetings and thus are better able to get across the truth of what's happening. If you've been listening to this series for a while, you'll know that there is this idea out there that parents feel they have to protect their children from harmful information and untrustworthy teachers and librarians. It's an emotional argument for sure, but is it true? Kelly and John wanted to find out. 
They put together a survey for parents of kids 18 and under about how they perceive the public library. Out of the more than 800 parents polled, 92% believe that their child is safe at the public library, and three-quarters agree that book bans infringe on their rights to make decisions for their own kids. We'll put a link to that survey on our webpage so you can see the findings for yourself. So the challenge is getting the real facts and the power to do something about it to the people who care the most. It's about people on the ground creating community and supporting each other. And the library alliances are working. Members of the St. Tammany Library Alliance showed up and continue to show up at every library board meeting as more books are being challenged. Here's Emily Drabinsky again. We've started to see the St. Tammany Library Board agree to return some books to the shelves. So they're having an impact, not only on the books on the shelves, but also the understanding that people in a community can come together, can organize together on behalf of the library and bring people from all different walks of life, from homeschool families to queers to the town doctor, that everybody who cares about literacy in the community or access to information, any everybody, when they come together, they're able to sort of move the needle and change the story and change the narrative and change what materially happens on the ground. Those St. Tammany Parish Library Board meetings have settled into what one reporter for the Louisiana Illuminator described as chaotic regularity. At one meeting this past summer, a library supporter distributed bingo cards with common occurrences during meetings. There were squares for someone calling a children's book pornography, another for hecklers, and another for police removing an attendee. So now, in addition to the new book challenges and book reviews that happen at library board meetings, library supporters occasionally call out bingo when their cards are full. It's a much-needed moment of humor in what is a pretty tense environment. We always have to remember when we're having these conversations that this is a very tiny minority of people. The vast majority of people want a kid to read a book. Our call to action for this episode is to find those other people in your community who just want kids to read books. Get together with them and see how you can support your library. You can check out Every Library Institute at everylibrary.org to learn more about how they're helping communities advocate for their libraries and the freedom to read. Bard and Band is a production of Brooklyn Public Library and receives support from the Metropolitan New York Library Council's Equity in Action grant. This episode was written by Virginia Marshall with help from Ali Post. It was hosted by me and Virginia. We received editorial support from Goat Rodeo. Our borrowed team includes Allie Post, Fritzi Bodenheimer, Robin Lester Kenton, and Damaris Olivo. Ashley Gill and Jennifer Prophet run our social media. Lauren Rockford helps with the emails. John Snowden designed our logo. The Books Unbanned team at BPL includes Summer Boimier, Jackson Gomes, Nick Higgins, Lee Hurwitz, Karen Keyes, and Amy Michael. Hey, Bard listeners. If you live in New York City and love the public library, we need your help. This past fall, our public libraries sustained deep mid-year cuts that forced an end of seven-day service and reduction of our materials and programs. We're now facing more budget cuts for the coming fiscal year. Libraries across the city stand to lose $58.3 million in funding. 
If these cuts are not reversed, we may have to reduce materials and programming yet again, including further reductions to our days of service. As many as half of all New York City libraries would be open only five days a week. The good news is you can help. Send a letter to city leaders telling them that you support the library. It's easy. It only takes 30 seconds and you can do it now. If you live in Brooklyn, go to BKLYNlibrary.org slash standup, all one word, to fill out the form. If you live in any of the other boroughs, you can send a letter on behalf of Queens Public Library or New York Public Library. Learn how at investinlibraries.org. Thank you so much for your support. <laughs>